Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss and Cage Podcast. And today's show, we have someone that, that I'm going to deem, you know, I always deem anybody that I interview with a particular name. So her nickname is going to be the Therapy Boss, and she'll give you obvious reasons why very shortly. Um, I had an opportunity to meet Mandy, what was it, like a couple weeks ago at yep. a badass networking group, which is a, definitely a cool networking group. If you haven't heard about it, go ahead and just do a quick Google search and take a look and check it out. So without further ado, Mandy, man, tell our audience a little bit more about who you are. Yeah, first of all, uh, I'm so honored to be on this podcast because when you and I had that that one-on-one talk at the Success Champions, I was like, this dude's badass. And I just was like, man, he's cool. I want to know him more, you know? And so I, I just really appreciate you having me on. But yeah, so um, Mandy Morris is my name and I, a lot of my social media, everyone will see me on know me as therapist, Mandy. And I love therapy. What'd you say? The therapy boss. I'm yes. totally going to use that nickname now for sure. Um, and yeah, I've been a mental health therapist clinician for over 10 years. I'm co-founder and co-director of Mosaic counseling group, that private practice that, um, myself and my colleagues started, uh, began in 2014 and since then, I've been expanding and growing. I now uh, do various programs. Uh, one of my program is uh, for people breaking out of toxic relationships and want to heal from that. The other uh, thing that I do is my boss mindset for corporate psychology therapists. Um, and essentially, what I do with that is I help leaders, business owners, uh, people in these roles and on these levels kind of deal with isolation and loneliness, um, uncertainty of the nature of their job. Um, they have to make a lot of big decisions and it's a lot of responsibility for other people. And with that comes a lot of pressure. I've worked with so many different uh, business men and women who quietly had their very first panic attack and didn't want to tell anyone about it because they're the ones who are supposed to have it all together, right? So I help leaders uh, with things like that. I help them take time to reflect on the psychology of their business and help preserve the culture of their employees. Um, and, you know, I really work with them on helping provide a psychologically safe place for others um, and help them learn how to have those sensitive, complex, what I call people issues, people challenges of running a business and things like that. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of the person who comes in on the back end and makes sure that there's good uh, mental health and wellness uh, in their, within themselves, but also on the the battlegrounds of their business. Wow. So I mean, I mean, with that, I mean, obviously, you're not the the, the stereotypical therapist in a sense. I mean, like you have a very really core niche, and you're working more so with like executives and, and mm -hmm. CEOs and essentially business owners. 
I mean, is that a, like a, a difference? Is that like a fork in the road? Let's say if I'm coming in and I want to become a therapist, like when is that decision usually made that you want to kind of shift from like family to more so executive teams? Yeah, that's a good question. So this kind of fell in my lap, if I'm being honest. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I've been in private practice, like I said, since 2014. And so I work with a lot of clients who have uh, mood disorders, who have anxiety, depression, who have been through trauma. One of my big um, significant trainings is an EMDR, which is a trauma training. And so I, I really dig into helping people find freedom and healing from things in their past. And mm. along that way, you know, I've gotten to work with people of all walks of life, you know, from stay-at-home moms, uh, stay-at-home dads, teachers to, you know, lawyers, attorneys, you know, chiefs in the uh, police field, first responders, firefighters, you know, uh, CEOs. I mean, all, all, there's no, mental health doesn't know any sort of, you know, demographic. We all experience issues from it. And with that, um, over the past couple of years, as I've been growing my social media and my mental health pages, I've gotten opportunities to be on lots of different podcasts, speaking gigs, and I've had multiple business owners on LinkedIn, you know, contact me and say, "Hey, be on my be on my podcast. Our leaders need to hear, you know, what's how to deal with you know, managing stress, panic attacks, the stress of dealing with other people, and then when COVID hit." They were wanting me on to talk about how to navigate that in the workplace. And so this kind of fell into my lap because people were reaching out and it was helpful. And so from there, I was like, well, you know what? Let me just start my own sort of specialty and have my own uh, packages to help people become more productive and creative. Because if you're not dealing with your emotions and your well-being, and what's happening mentally, then you're not gonna be as productive and creative. One of the examples that I give is, let's say, let's say you're a kid in the sixth grade, right? And you wake up one morning and you, you know, maybe you say to your mom or something like that, I just, I feel anxious today or feel depressed or something's on my mind and I, I really need to talk to you. And, and as busy parents must do, okay, well, let's talk after school. Let's, we got to go. We got to get, go to school, drop you off. Now that kid is sitting in class thinking about this thing that's on their mind because they're feeling anxious. They're feeling depressed. A situation happened that emotionally they're really distraught about it. They're not going to care what sort of formula they're trying to learn in algebra or, ge or geometry. They're going to be dealing with that. And it's the same thing as adults. When we have something emotionally going on that's distressing, it affects our productivity and our creativity. Oh. And so when we can tend to the emotional side of things and be empowered and let that be strengthened and to deal with that. So you have the release, you have the relief. Now you're in alignment with what your mission is and what you're supposed to be doing which is going to make you be able to focus 10 times better. If you have issues going on at home or you have issues with an employee that's happening, that's causing you stress, you're not going to be as focused as you need to be. And so by way of learning about EQ, emotional intelligence, you know, dealing with you know, negative beliefs that are formed about yourself because of being in this position of power and in leadership and, and what that means to you and really navigating through clearing out obstacles, you know, 
uh, mental blocks that you have, distressing situations that are that kind of set you back, you're going to be freed up to be even bigger than you think you could be. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, come to things that you said, I mean, you alluded to like, you know, just talking from like a kid standpoint. So like, like, what were you like as a kid? I mean, did you know as a kid that you were going to be helping people with like mental disorders and just mental health? Like, were you that kid walking around <laughs> saying that you should do this because this will make you feel better? I mean, tell us a little bit more about like your childhood. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, a, that's a great question. So I mean, gosh, I was like, I was that awkward kid though, man, really. I, I, I had like the big bushy hair pre, you know, really messed up teeth, like no braces at the time and lanky. And I, I will never forget. And it's one of the things that I, I share um, with some of my clients too, when we're talking about how negative beliefs get formed. And I'll never forget. I think, I think I was in third grade. And I had like two friends, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and we would always go um, at recess on the playground, whatever. And I kept getting left out. And and I I'm I'm the youngest of two older brothers, so I'm used to keeping my mouth shut. I'm used to just like stay low key under their radar because I don't want to be picked on by my big brothers, you know, type of thing. And um, and I remember asking my one friend like why, why do you play with her more than me? Oh. And she said to me, cause she's prettier than you and like walked off and left. And I was, I was just like crying. Um, and, and, you know, and I internalized it cause I was an internalizer. I didn't tell anyone about that. I didn't tell my parents, you know, what happened on the playground that day. Not cause they wouldn't have cared. I just, mm. I didn't. And so from then on out, any other negative social interaction that I had, I always took as, um, well, it's because I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough, which turned into like a lot of people pleasing behaviors and just trying to fit in and things like that. But even from that experience, I've always been deeply empathic that I never wanted people to feel how I felt, even from a little age as something like that, that happened. And so I would always make sure I said nice things to people. You know, I was very kind, like I was very sensitive to other people's feelings. Um, I've always been a deep feeler, but you know, growing up, I was an athlete. I played basketball. I played volleyball. Um, I thought that that's what I was going to do as my career. And so I actually went into college being an athletic trainer, you know, because I wanted to be the one that went out on the field. And when they had a broken bone or they sprained something, I got to, you know, bandage them up and, mm. and take care of them and take them off the field, which is very much sort of a helping profession. And I, you know, um, about halfway through, my college, I, I was volunteering at this like crisis center for women and just fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. Like I, I wanted to, and at that time I, you know, sports, I still did, but you know, that wasn't, I wasn't going to make a career out of that or anything. And so I was like, and at the time I was in my own therapy as well. And I was like, man, I really, this is what I want to do. And, and thinking back, one of the things I laugh about is I don't, I don't know about you, if you had like senior superlatives at your school or not, if they ever gave those out at my school, it was, a, it was a smaller school. They gave the senior superlatives. And I remember hating my senior superlative. I was given most caring. And I was like, 
man, that shit. I, I wanted something cool. Like I wanted to be, I wanted to be like most athletic. I wanted to be like, whatever. I got more, everyone's carrying. Like, why did I, like, and I was like, man, but looking back, I mean, it's just who I am, you know? And so when I really, really had the courage to um, switch my major and, and go the psychology route and know, knew that I would have to go on to further education and get a master's, it just felt in so much alignment in spite of um, what people told me I should do. Because everyone told me I should be the athletic trainer. Like, that's what I'm good at. I should do that. You know, my parents um, and they're wonderful and super supportive. I have a great relationship with them at the time they were really leery, leery of me becoming a therapist hmm. you know are you sure you're well enough to be able to do something like that like, that you're able to help other people which sends you know such an indirect message that you have to have it all together to be in this field you know hmm. and um and and so w- with all that said I really took this step to become a therapist out of just listening to my heart and my my gut and intuition about what I wanted to do in spite of what people were telling me. And, um, and from there, it's just been, it's been a wild ride. It's been awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, just talking about me, everything you just said, I mean, it kind of, it makes sense. I mean, I mean, you've worked with some, like, I think in, in your bio, you worked with like the NBA. So that like definitely makes sense, like bridging the gap between like your sports background and, and your career path. So, I mean, in something that large as the NBA or just dealing with like high profile clientele on a regular basis, I'm sure you've came across a couple of prima donnas here and there. So what's the worst experience without naming names that you've ever experienced while working? Oh, that's a good question. Well, no, it hasn't been the NBA. I have done stuff for MTV, BET, Mm. um, Apple, some of those higher profile things. My um, uh, mental health in the music industry, Mm. things that I do as well. So, um, but alongside those, there's, I mean, all of those, they're all leaders, they're all entrepreneurs Mm. as well and things like that. Um, you know, the, I think the initial thing that tends to get in the way of these leaders is allowing someone like me to step in and help, Mm. you know, because, these these are successful people who have big dreams and had big visions, and with that sometimes comes big egos, <laughs> you know. And and that's not a that's not a negative thing because it's <clears throat> excuse me it's allowed them to get to where they need to be. It's a superhero power, and all of our superhero powers have the kryptonite to it, if you will. Mm. But sometimes, you know, with that, there's a tendency to see some of my feedback and assessment and the plans to give them as, um, as not a weakness. And so, you know, with that, I'll get a lot of pushback. Hang on, let me grab a drink of water real quick. Sorry, hope you can edit that out. Um, and, and, um, and so I don't know that it's so much of a, you know, significant story that I have more or less that there's a lot of walls that have to be broken down and barriers that have to be broken down around the fact that it's okay to let someone come in and help you. Very nice. So, I mean, with that, right. I mean, obviously you've established a a pretty decent system 
at hand that that way you can kind of work with people and they go through your system and just talking about just business processes like how is your business structured i mean obviously you are a therapist but is your business more so an llc an s corp or a c corp mm -hmm. um yeah so i have a llc that's an s corp mm -hmm. and that's under so my llc for my private practice is under the uh mosaic counseling group so that is also an LLC. So we have essentially <clears throat> two veils, if you will, of protection. Uh -huh. um, and so then for everything that I do under Mosaic, um, on my clients that I see, things like that, uh, you know, that while it's under the name Mosaic, it gets run through my LLC. So it's very clean in that way. My colleague has her own LLC as well. Uh -huh. And then that way too, any of my own uh business that I do, like some of these things we've been talking about, my programs, the corporate psychology that I do and things like that also gets run under my LLC. I, um, so for that, I, I have a, a DBA doing business as therapist mm -hmm. Mandy Morris as well. So people who have been following me from all over the globe and um, from my branding online, know me as therapist Mandy and my, my private practice people come to Mosaic Counseling Group just have me as their therapist. Nice, nice. So we always hear about the overnight success story. Someone may be listening to this podcast and they're they're listening to you, you know, okay, she's highly successful. She worked with these big name brands and it may be a perception of you being an overnight success. But in reality, how long have you been on your journey to get to where you wow. are? Wow, yeah. You know, it's, the reality is, is it's a lot of hard work with that touch of luck. That, you know, that like that 1% that kind of you, you get connected to those right people, but you do that from hard work. So, I mean, like I said, I started the private practice in 2014. So it's been what, seven years now hmm. that I've been, that I started that when I was, you know, 28 years old. And so from that, and that took a lot of work that too, from before that, when I was at my internship, with my colleagues and we were like, we wanted to start our own practice. That took a good solid year, year and a half of planning oh. to be able to implement that, to then get to that. And from there, I mean, we've been really fortunate. We do a lot of training and we stay up to date with everything. We, we do good work. And so we've been lucky enough to not have to do much marketing. It's all been word of mouth referrals for the last nice. seven years. Wow. So and we've been really fortunate in that sense that sense and you know as i've been growing as a therapist and wanting to do more and, and do bigger things and help more people you know um a big part of that is keeping up with my self-care so i always i always do my runs in the morning and i do my workout and on my runs that's, that's where i do church right it's mm. where i just connect and i you know uh listen to inspirational things, pray, whatever. And so all these visions and ideas and thoughts, that's when that comes to me. So then I'll go on my run, I'll come back, I write, have this idea book, I write all my ideas down. And it got to a point where I was like, man, I have so many ideas and none of them implemented. Mm -hmm. Like I got, something's got to shift here. And I knew, I knew that I need to have an online presence for the world that we're in today. I mean, you just have to. And and I, so I decided I would do my mental health pages across, across LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And, and I'll never forget writing my, my very first post of my own content and like this fear of, oh my gosh, I'm exposed now. Like I'm going to, this is scary. This is, 
because it's vulnerable. When you put yourself out there to the world, you don't know what's going to happen with it, right? It's yeah. uncertain, it's risky. And um, and then with that, I remember, well, and I remember I, I had to make a deal with myself because I know how I am, that it, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to beat myself up for how many likes I did or didn't get. And then if I didn't feel something genuine in my content, if it didn't move something within me, hmm. I wasn't going to put it out there hmm. because if I can't be true to myself in this process, it's not going to work long-term. And, and with that means that I had to, I had to open myself up to be vulnerable for the fact that not everyone may be for me and that may not be for everybody else, but that the right people will come and that's who I'm going to serve. That's my community. You know, it's not a, this is about my, my heart and my vision. Hmm. Right. And, and so with that, I mean, then I you know, began growing. I remember the first time I did a video and I literally probably recorded that video over and over like 15 times until I was just like, screw it, just put it out there, you know, because I was so, and now it's like no thing. Now I just go on and shoot a video, put some content out there. There's, hmm. I'm comfortable with it now, but it's been a hard process, you know? And then with that, getting opportunities and scaling to bigger things, you know, I remember the first big panel I did on Song Trust, which is a major music distributor. Um, and they had me on for uh, Mental Health Awareness Month uh, to talk about mental health in the music industry. And they they have a huge following, you know, and I was going live with them. And like I had to have my friend talk me down off the anxiety ledge because, you know, that imposter syndrome kicked in and, and all of those things. And so all that to say is it's been a lot of work and and that. I, you know, where we met on the success champions, you know, I love the culture of that is that if you aren't uncomfortable, mm. then you're, then you're not growing, you know, and that it just, it's just part of moving forward and getting bigger. And, and it's not about not having anxiety. It's not about being certain. It's about being uncertain and doing it anyway. And so with that, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of, you know, self-doubt that happens, but you get the right support around you and you're, you're committed to your mission, then you, you just, you have to stay on the path and things will come into alignment. Wow. I've grown faster in these past two years than in the seven years of my practice when I just started having the courage to listen to myself. Hmm. That makes so, sense. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, anyone listening, I encourage you to, to lean into fear, really. I think that's definitely a beneficial statement that you made. And it kind of goes into like my next question, right? Being that you've had seven years on this journey and you've had the most success, the, like the compounding effect near the, like where you are currently in the last two years. Mm -hmm. And obviously the next five years will probably be 10 times greater than what right. you're doing right now. Like what's one thing, if you can go back in time, whether being an adolescent, whether in early parts of your career or within the last seven years, what's one thing that you would want to go back and change if you could do it all over again? Mm, that's such a good question. I think if I could go back and like speak to my younger self, if you will, mm -hmm. like I'll be all, all right, now I'll get all therapist on you now. My child, my inner childhood. <laughs> if I could, you know, but if I could go back um, in, in all seriousness and even, even to, you know, I was part of my story is I was in a seven year um, marriage that was very abusive and he 
ended up getting diagnosed with NPD, narcissistic personality disorder. And, wow. and throughout all leaving that and, and what I'm doing now. And, um, you know, I think the thing I would say is that you're important and you have a voice, hmm. you know, and so to stop playing it small, that, you know, the world will see you when you let yourself be seen, hmm. you know, so that really, cause it's taken me a while to find my voice again. And, um, and in my own healing journey personally, but then also in what I do to help other people now and how I help them grow. Um, and so a big part of this is I feel like if I had learned a long time ago, how to value myself mm -hmm. and I had learned a long time ago, um, how to to quit you know putting my feelings and thoughts and needs aside and to actually have a voice you know i i wonder i wonder where i would be now but at, at the same time it's i'm so thankful that i'm learning this now because those experience mm -hmm. i think have made me become a better therapist they've made me become who i am um I ha my colleague and I have a joke whenever we go through like personal shit in our life mm. is man, I'm tired of becoming a better therapist. Like, <laughs> mm. you know, cause you go through stuff and then it's like, Oh man, it's life can be so hard, but, but you can use it in such powerful and meaningful ways. Um, and so that would be what I would say. And what I would say to others as well is that, you know, find your voice, use your voice and be loud. Oh. Great. Great. So, I mean, I think you kind of talked a little bit about you as adolescent. You talked about like your journey. You talked about like where you are and you're a very savvy entrepreneur in the sense that like, you understand the principles of how to connect different things from your past with your present and make mm -hmm. them work for you today. So yeah. did that come from an entrepreneurial background? Like was your dad, your mom, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, were they any of them entrepreneurs? Um, you know that ooh, I've never been asked that. Sorry, my light just fell. Um, I've never been asked that. That's interesting. You know, they not in a sense. However, they all have entrepreneurship in them, and both of my brothers are entrepreneurs. Whoa. And so, but no one taught us that. And so, I don't know where that comes from. I do think, though, we were taught to be creative. Whoa. My dad's. You know, my they. I lived. I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland, and my dad. Uh, was a chef and he was he was um, brought to Atlanta to start the culinary department of the Art Institute of Atlanta. So he was a director of that for years and um, he's retired now. Yeah. That, so that was back in the early 90s. And so he, you know, he started that. He's very creative. He does art as well. He's an excellent painter. My mom is um, also um, creative in terms of she's very musical. Well, both my parents are they, they, my dad also plays drums. My mom's a guitar player, pianist. She does lessons, things mm -hmm. like that. Um, and so I grew up in a very creative musical home. And so while neither of them were entrepreneurs, I mean, my dad was a chef at the, the Culinary Art Institute of Atlanta. My mom was a teacher and a music teacher. I think that creativity has mm -hmm. allowed all of us kids to um, really be able to expand our thinking and to go after what we want. And so I think we do owe a lot of that to our parents. Um, both, I, I got to see both of my brothers, you know, form their own businesses and be successful at that. And so I, I had that as an example as well.
Yeah, it's funny that you're, you're you're talking about your dad, and I'm sitting here, and I'm like, like we had a conversation before, right? And I didn't realize. So just kind of fill in the blanks for you. Like I went to the Art Institute of Atlanta. Both my degrees came from Art Institute of Atlanta. No way. Yeah. So it's kind of where I was like, Chef, and I'm like, look at your name, like Chef Morris. Do I remember Chef Morris? Chef James Morris. And I'm thinking like it kind of rings a bell. And I had a couple of friends that were in culinary as well too, and some of them are like back in Israel, and some of them are like chefs yeah. here and there. So it's just it's a small world when you kind of have these commonalities, and then ask this random question, and then you tell me your dad's a chef and he used to work at the Art Institute of Atlanta. That's so crazy. Definitely crazy. So did he work at the the Buckhead Building, or did he work at the Sandy Springs location? So he worked at when so when we moved down here, mm-hmm. his building was in. Um, like the Lenox Square originally. Okay. okay. Yeah. And then then they moved to Sandy I want to say it's near Peachtree Street mm-hmm. somewhere over there. The building moved. Um which I think we maybe I'm not as familiar with that area cuz mm-hmm. I'm out here in the Mooney some but um <laughs> the the that sort of area. Um yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool. So, I mean, obviously you have brothers, you have parents, this is, and you, you said you were married before. So let's talk about like, you know, how do you currently juggle like your work life with your family life? Still figuring that out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I think all of you entrepreneurs can relate that when you have a vision, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, while these things take a lot of effort, they don't feel like work, mm. you know? And so, you know, I, people ask that question and, and there, I think work-life balance is a lot more applicable to those who view their work as job um, and that they need to have boundaries around that. And obviously there's parts of this whole process that I don't like, you know, I don't like the paperwork and I don't like, you know, the figuring out my website, you know, and things like that. But um, I, it really is, while it's a lot of energy, I enjoy the work they do. And so I, I try to, to right now, one of my, my goals is making sure I have my Fridays as no client days. Mm-hmm. So I get to do wonderful things like this with you. And I get to um, go do some other collaborations and things like that. I get to, to catch up on my contacts. So that, you know, that's more fun for me. I'm able to decompress from the work week of seeing clients. Um, and I try to keep my weekends open, you know, every night. Um, you know, I, I make sure that uh, my fiance and I, that we have some time to spend together. Um, he's very busy as well. And um, and just stay in communication. You know, I think that that's the big thing that we've really had to learn to do is because uh, I'm very busy. He's very busy. Um, but the relationship doesn't suffer when we're in good communication with each other wow. and making time to, you know, be outside. I think one of my, my, my big, you know, and talk about balance is, I have to be outside every day. Hmm. You know, that's I in some form, even if I'm responding to some calls when I need to, but I'm outside doing it and I can unplug at some point and I can just listen to a podcast and connect with a friend. I mean, there's certain non-negotiables I have with myself that when I don't do them, my week suffers. Hmm. And so, and that's going to look differently for everybody. Um, but it's important to to really identify what those non-negotiables are for yourself. And, um, you know, but I do, I work, I work crazy hours, but I also love it. And, and my, and my people in my life who are important to me, I, I make sure that they stay priority as well. And so sometimes it is, it's waiting to take that call to the next day or whatever it may be, but it's, 
there's no there's no clear-cut answer to that a lot of it is just learning to step back and and i gotta learn to listen to myself you know i had a crazy day yesterday where i totally overworked it overdid that so today i'm intentional about i'm gonna turn it off you know um and but i had to do what i needed to do yesterday as well and so just really trying to be mindful of the mind-body connection the things that i need to get outside and to make sure that i'm staying connected to the people in my life that i love wow so i mean just based upon that it seems like obviously there's a lot of structure within your days i mean you're talking about running you're talking about having opportunities to go outside so you know i think behind the scenes it's like scheduled appointments throughout your day yeah so what does your morning routines your morning rituals look like um so when i stumble out of bed because i'm not a morning person mm -hmm. i um you know get my get my breakfast going and I give myself a minute to just to kind of catch up. And then I, I look at what is something I need to post on social media for today. So I'll do my social media posts. I'll take a look at my day and then, um, you know, and when I wake up is based off of making sure I can get these things in before I start. And then, then I go on a run. And like I said, my running time is where I, get inspiration where I, you know, I, I pray where I listen to my, my podcast, whatever it may be. Um, and cause that, that's what feeds me. And that's where a lot of I, my energy comes from because I really get a lot of insight and ideas during these runs when I'm able to connect to, um, myself on a heart level. And from there, um, if I'm, if it's works out too, then I, I go and I lift some weights. I'm trying to, to build some muscle um, and and do that. And then I um, I come back and I hit the ground running with my day. Um, so that's usually a typical morning routine of mine. Oh, well, so I mean, w with that, right, it seems like you're very well versed. And I would think that you're uh, either an avid reader or you're an avid listener of some mm -hmm. kind, one side of the coin. So this next question is a three part question. Mm -hmm. Like, what books did you read to help you get to where you are? Mm -hmm. What books are you reading right now? And the third part of the question is that have you authored any books as of yet? Awesome. Great question. So, um, so yes, um the couple of the books that i'm reading now and i do i have to say i do listen to a lot of podcasts i am totally a podcaster um some of my favorite podcasts are um brene brown's dare to lead and unlocking us um i also really love um gosh of course the name of it's going to slip my mind right now um pulling it up uh the 10% Happier podcast and Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. I love those ones. Those are some of my favorites. Um, so, but some of the books that um, I've been reading lately, uh, well, that I recently started as well, gosh, because I go through so many books. I, I read all Brene Brown's books. Um, those are those are really good for me personally um, on a personal level, but on more of a business level, um, some of the, the recent books and I'm pulling up this one in particular because I always forget the name of it, mm -hmm. but it's on my list. Um, so this is one that Donnie just uh, shared with us the other day that I'm sure a lot of people know of, but I hadn't read it yet and I just ordered it, but it's the su subtle art of not giving a fuck. fuck. Yeah, yes. yeah. So that that's one that's, um, that's on my list to read that I have now. Um, 
And and I I, I read a lot of uh, books related to trauma, to mental health, things like that. Um, another book that I I just got that I'm um, looking forward to reading, and I'm pulling up the title because I don't want to mess the title up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the seven disciplines of relationship marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this book, uh, with this guy, the guy who wrote it, uh, Bill Dolan, he's a new connection of mine and he's, a you know, producer, filmmaker. He does, he's an amazing person who had a, le- a near life, um, or near death experience where he did die on the table. And after that, he wrote this book about like, his life is just how he operates, how he relates to people, everything has changed from it. And so that's one of the the books that I'm, I'm reading as well. Um, so anything where I can grow um, my own mental health, my own business, I read a lot on neuroscience because a big part of my therapy work is helping people understand the science behind why they think and feel the way they do. Nice. It's not about the fact that there's something wrong with them. It's about an education of the mind. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm always staying up to date to things like that. Um, wow. And yeah, those are some of the biggies for me. Wow. Wow. So did you have an opportunity to author any books as of yet for yourself? I did. I had um, my my first book and hopefully it'll be one of many. Had a wonderful opportunity to be a part of um, Laura DeFranco. She's an author, a national bestselling author. Um, and the ultimate guide to self-healing volume four. And so it's a it's an amazing book with 25 different authors. 25 and of them they're all people who are healers clinicians um gosh dietitians people into all sorts of backgrounds it's the each chapter is a part of their story and then a tool so that people at home can use these tools to begin to heal and so that self-healing um from your own home i love the fact that there's just 25 different modalities so there's something in there from and for everyone from everything from nutrition to sleep to sex to learning about uh you know my my chapter is called tapping into your identity where i i help people dig into what are those negative beliefs that they can't seem to shake and how to shake them um and so that is the most recent book that I did as well. Um, and so people, if people are interested in that, you can find it on my website, mandythetherapist.com. And uh, when you purchase through that, I also give you a, f- a free little gift from me as well. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, I, this is like one of my favorite questions that I always ask. And because of that, it, it allowed me to create a book club. So like in like the Boston Cage book club, like my goal for everyone in the book club is to be able to read 52 books per year. And that's kind of like underneath the status quo of an executive that reads 60. But we kind of go through steps and procedures of how to read these books per week, every, a book yeah. per week, essentially. So I definitely I, I would like to invite you to that thing that, you know, whatever books that you're you're writing would love be, that. be a good fit to kind of just have this community of people to talk to directly about those books and, and how mm-hmm. they can achieve their goals and, and have success from that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I would love that. Cool. 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 So like, where do you see yourself 20 years from now? In Costa Rica, drinking a margarita. <laughs> does, it, does that count? <laughs> yeah, of course it counts. 
Um, man, you know, I, I struggle with that question mm. and I'll tell you why I don't want to limit myself. Mm-hmm. I, I just see myself. I mean, I want, I mean, you know, to, if, to give some specifics, like I, I want to be on a show, like I'm get, I, you can get to be on a show, be on set this June, um, for a show called the social movement. And it's a docu-reality series. Um, Amazon Prime picked them up in a, a bunch of other places and um, four days to save the world. And so I get to be a part of all these entrepreneurs and business people flying in. We're all going to meet in Miami on set. Um, I can send you a link to the trailer of it if you'd like. Yeah, and um, and essentially what they're doing is they have four days to come up with a viable business plan to end one of the world's biggest social issues. So four days to end suicide, four days to end racism, to end cyberbullying, to empower women, to um, reinvent the education, education system. Like there's a bunch of different ones. And so these, these head CEO business owners who have all the resources in the world already are, are teaming up. They're going to be put on teams to go against teen geniuses. Mm. And whoever wins... You know, they get to to see their their business plan come to fruition. I get to be the one to interview them on camera to nice. pull their stories nice. out and um, and to let the world see where they've come from uh-huh. to where they are now. Wow. Because all of them are going to have a personal story that's connected to the social issue. So that's like for me, this is. I've always wanted to be on um, some sort of show, have a show of my own, help the world on that sort of a bigger platform because obviously it reaches more people. Uh Um, And so this is my first step towards that. So sky's the limit from here, I think. Wow. Yeah. Well, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Right. Great. So let's talk about, I mean, obviously you have all these different platforms. You're not the the stereotypical therapist by any means necessary, (laughs) right? Take that compliment. (laughs) Definitely. So like, like going into software, like what kind of applications or software do you use on a day-to-day basis that you would not be able to do what you're doing without? Mm, Awesome question. So for my practice, I use simple practice and um, it, so it takes care of uh, all my clients having an online portal where they can electronically fill out forms, sign consent forms, documents, things like that. Um, you know, it, it, whether you're, I mean, it's for therapists. Um, I think people can use it in lots of different ways. Um, you know, I'm able to bill insurance electronically through that for the nice. insurance that I do take. Um, and it takes care of sending out automatic um, emails text reminders, things like that. I mean, everything is right there. Um, You know, so I have that that I use. And then through my website, um, through Squarespace, excuse me, and Stripe, I use that for a lot of my packages and programs as well. Um, Some of the the content stuff that I use, you know, things like Canva, that really helps me with, I design a lot of my own stuff. Um, so, and, and all my content I do myself. So I use that to distribute my materials, uh, online and things like that as well. Uh, simple practice though is really, uh, great. It it helps me create my, my invoices. It sends me reminders if something hasn't been paid. Um, if I need to update client information, cause maybe something's expired or we need more information. It just sends me an email. I don't even have to, 
because um, my, my big thing is I, I don't want to have to do this stuff. I want to do what I want to do. <laughs> so it needs, it needs to be easy because I get frustrated and don't want to spend time on all the details of all these things. And so simple practice really makes it easy for me to do that. And my different publishing tools on Canva makes it easy to get my content out. Um, hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So let's talk about like final words of wisdom, right? And I'm going to ask you like a very detailed question. I'm going to paint, paint, paint the profile of the user. So let's say the user's name is Mike. Let's say he is 32 years old, or maybe, maybe it is Joanne and she's 32 years old, right? Huh? And she started a business. She's maybe in year three to year five in her business. Mm-hmm. And she's going through that roller coaster. Like the year before, maybe she's made mid six figures. Maybe she made two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars. Then a year after that, maybe she dropped down to fifty. Then a year after that, she's back up to three fifty. Mm-hmm. So she's in the see- the seesaw phase of her business. It hasn't leveled off yet. Mm-hmm. What words of wisdom would you give to her to keep her level and keep her focused to stay steadfast on her dream to execute that plan to make her business a, a, a successful business where she can count on that revenue stream over a period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So right now I just want to take her on as a client so I can, you know, <laughs> help her, help her figure out like what, what's caused the job, where, what are those automatic thoughts? What's mm-hmm. that psychology behind that mindset that's creating the, the decline because uh, decline is normal. I mean, we all go, th- it's normal to have ups and downs and especially as you're growing, when when there's things that don't work it's normal and and failure should be opened with should be accepted with open arms because failure is data mm-hmm. failure is good data thomas edison when he was trying to invent the light bulb you know he got interviewed and they were like so what's it like to uh, had tried to create the light bulb and fail 1000 times. It's like, what, what kind of a like ridiculous comment is that, you know? And he said, I know a thousand ways that doesn't work. And, and so, so all that to say is do an inventory, do an inventory, a non-judgmental inventory of what has created the frustration and the decline because frustration frustration happens because of unfulfilled expectations and unmet needs there's clearly too many demands and not enough resources it's just data look at the data and then start to gather resources do and don't take your eyes off your goal just because you're going through a, a season of having to regroup and reinvent and reconstruct even uh, from the success to what's going now doesn't mean that you're failing. Mm-hmm. It just means you're ready to go to the next level because there were too many demands up here and now you need to scale. Hmm. Nice. So nice. that's what I would say. Yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely appreciate that answer. I mean, obviously I think with my audience of people and just understanding your principles, I think that message can kind of, expand to anyone understanding yeah. that in business like there's hurdles that's going to happen on a routine basis there's going to be highs and lows one year you may make a million and next year you may make half of that yep. but understanding you just have to figure out the why and it goes yep. back to your to your data so yep. how can people get in contact with you i mean like what's you're talking about facebook you're talking about linkedin um, i think you also mentioned instagram like what's your profiles 
So, I mean, easiest way is just to go to my website, mandythetherapist.com. At the top, you'll see all my uh, links to all my handles. Um, on, on Instagram, I'm therapist underscore Mandy. You can find me on um, TikTok as well. Nice. I don't know if you knew this, but I now am on TikTok. I drank the Kool-Aid. Um, it's um, <laughs> Mandy's <laughs> underscore therapy tips. Um, and then Mandy Morris, LPC, um, EMDR for my, my uh, sorry, my LinkedIn as well. Uh, so yeah, easiest way, just go to mandythetherapist.com, click on my handles and you can see all my content there. Cool, cool. And do you have any special offers for our listeners? Yeah, I actually have a um, a couple of different promotionals going on right now. Obviously, for um, any of the corporations or business owners or who are interested in some of my packaging, I'm doing. I used to do just a. Uh, I am doing was doing just a free 30 minute consultation, but um, for anyone who's wanting to explore the corporate stuff I have to offer, um, I will do a full one hour session with you for free and nice. come up with a game plan and you can have that plan whether you wanna use me or not. Um, and for my, I have a 90 day program for people who are trying to break out of and heal from toxic relationships. And that is normally an $8,000 program that I'm doing for 50% off due to COVID and people's financial situations as sort of a gift for myself or a gift to to my community, but I only have limited spots for that. So if people are interested to definitely reach out to me. Wow. Wow. Definitely. So going into the bonus round, I got a couple of bonus questions for you. Right. Oh, I love bonus rounds. Yeah. So I think earlier on you alluded to superpowers, right? Yeah. I think it was like within the first 15 minutes of the show. So if you could be a superhero, who would you be and why? Oh, oh, I love this question. Does it have to, does it have to be like one that already exists or can it be made up? I've learned that probably eight out of 10 entrepreneurs, we want to make up our own superheroes. So <laughs> by all means, go for it. Um. <clears throat> So if I could be a superhero, it, it would be Wonder Woman-esque, but like with Mandy vibe. Mm. And, um, and my superhero power would be that, you know, I would, I don't know if it wouldn't be, wouldn't be waving a magic wand because that's too frou-frou. It would be something more like, uh, I don't know, uh, I would have this like laser beam that you know or this like shield that would go over all of mankind where it allowed people to actually be who they are Hmm. and and so all all the you know all this like who you should be and what you should be doing all this like people who um, are trying to hustle for their worthiness and I mean it would just be everyone is connected to the truth about them and they're confident in it because can you imagine a world where there's no more people competing against each other. Mm-hmm. It's just everyone being in their own badassery and like doing their own unique thing to better themselves and better humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Like think about a world, like what kind of crazy productivity would we have huh. if, and, and like ingenious inventions would we have if, like if that's how we lived and operated. So that would be my, my superhero oh, power. Definitely. Very interesting. Very interesting. So I got another one for you. 
If you could spend 24 hours with anyone, dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? Oh my gosh. I feel like this this question means that you have to give this like hugely deep insightful answer to it and 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 that if not like stones will be thrown at me because you know what my automatic thought is chris farley why i love chris farley i grew i don't know i i don't know what it is I'm a big fan of the underdog stories i I used to love watching Tommy Boy all the time and and in like the interviews with him and how much people loved him and and you know people if you know his story, you know that he he took his own life oh. and had mental health problems and but he he fought so hard to always try to make people laugh and not oh. feel the way he fought unfortunately in his oh. circumstance he um he did not get the help that he needed but he left such an impact on um on the world and um and so if you know for me whenever i like if i need to laugh like dumb humor like i watch something with chris farley like the old snl you know the tommy boy movies things like that um that would be who i would pick now if i'm being serious oh. <laughs> and I were to pick someone dead or alive, um, which is also really hard. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I've always wanted to meet Brene Brown. Um, she's, I, I listen to all of her stuff. I do all of her books. I'm determined to be on her podcast one day. So if Brene Brown ever gets a hold of this one, um, yeah. you know, she has done so much work around shame, fear, and vulnerability. And it's a big, been a big catalyst for, catalyst for my own work. Um, and so she's someone who I'd love to meet as well. Wow. Well, you put it out in the ether. I mean, like earlier today, I, you know, I said MBA. I was just putting it out in the ether. It just makes it sound like a perfect fit. So yeah, MBA no, is on the list. The <laughs> MBA, here I come. Yeah. MBA, Ms. Brown was on the list. And I think part of your, your Chris Farley, I think in addition to that, someone else that falls in that spectrum would be Robin Williams. It's kind of like had oh, the same demise yes. and the same yes. growth paths. Great, great yep. influential people that kind Good of- Good Will just, Hunting is one of my favorite movies. Yep, absolutely. Great. Yeah, great. good question. Cool. So going into closing, I mean, we had a, a great episode. You, you answered and fulfilled like these questions that I think anyone that's listening can kind of get some action from them, get some activity from them, get some results and kind of listen to it and re-listen to it. And it's evergreen content that can move forward. But maybe you've come up with some questions for me. So this is the time on the, the episode that I give you the microphone. The floor is yours. You become the host. What questions do you have for me? Awesome. So first question is what what are some of those negative beliefs or insecurities or whatever it may be that you've had to overcome to get where you're at because you <laughs> i look at you and all these amazing things you're doing and and it's not easy no it's not <laughs> it's not so to answer that question i think I was always a big, I was kind of like the Wizard of Oz. I was a guy behind the curtain forever. Yeah. 
And, you know, it was, I had successes in there, but then unfortunately I had a stroke in 2018. And once I woke up from that stroke, I was like, okay, like I've done all these things for all these people, but what am I leaving behind for like my legacy? And so then my girlfriend at the time, which is now my wife, she was just saying like, it's time for you to step in front of the camera. It's time for you to become the voice. It's time for you to become the brand. And I'm sitting there looking at her and it's kind of like, you know, like internally I'm like, like, how are you going to debate her? How are you going to argue with her? Like, what are you going to say? No, I can't do right. it for this reason. And I'm, I'm right. thinking about all these negative things on the left side. And on the right, right. hand side, I was like, dude, you just had a stroke. Shut the hell up and do it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of like, I, and that, that was when I created the podcast. I mean, I, I created my podcast roughly um, February of 2020. Mm-hmm. so it was like really like a year mm-hmm. of some change and it was just kind of like becoming the voice becoming the brand versus hiding behind the brand yeah yeah and that in that switch in that journey is you know obviously I, I became myself and like that's who I was the entire time mm-hmm. and kind of my brand being boss and cage I was a boss that was being caged the entire time yeah. and now that I'm free to be myself it's kind of like I have all these opportunities I can speak to people as great as you are and it just gives me more insight and engineering to what I'm doing and where I want to go yeah. versus being behind the scenes. I love it. See the courage to be yourself. Once you took that step, man, things just rapid fired. Yeah. Um, I have another question. Yeah, go for it. What is one of your proudest moments? I think one of my proudest moments is it, it happened recently and it's, it's, it's kind of my son was raised in an entrepreneurial family. Like mm-hmm. I've always instilled in him become an entrepreneur for multiple different reasons. And one of them was kind of his personality. Like yeah. you're kind of an A-type personality, but you're kind of a hermit at the same time. Yeah. You want to be inside, but you want to rule your own thing. And it was just like, with that demeanor, anybody you work for, you're probably going to get fired in the first five minutes. So let's figure out what it is that you want to do. Yeah. And like literally in the past couple of months, you know, after telling him this for like years and instilling in him and taking him to conferences and meetups, he finally came to me. He was like, I think something that I would like to be interested in would be stocks. And I'm like, all right, cool. Well, let's just try it. Then he yeah. started picking stocks and we started buying stocks and we started making capital off the stocks. And he was like, okay, he went more. So we had an opportunity to take him like a two-day workshop then that's so cool workshop so now he's at the point to where he, he's diving more into forex and futures and like we're grooming him in that space and i'm okay like you're 15 so understand like you're 15 you finally found the niche that you can kind of play like a video game because you're also a gamer you could yeah. also do it and not necessarily be around people but it gives you opportunity right. to grow wealth from 15 so like yeah. these next couple of years is all about education so by the time you're 18 and you can kind of legally have your own accounts and everything else you going to be well ahead of someone that's 35 deciding to get into the market yeah that's amazing that's amazing very cool do i have time for one more yeah by all means okay um so next question is what like when maybe this is more so for for some of your listeners too but um like what is that that voice, that negative or that imposter syndrome, those automatic thoughts that you have to like learn how to talk against. Like what, what is that for you that, that tries to keep you small at times that tries to tell you that maybe you're not good enough. So because of my new brand of Boston Cage, and you know, I've owned a agency that was Cerebral 360, and it was a graphic mm-hmm. design agency. We built websites. We did all these these things for clients, 
but now we're in that shift and like I'm trying to develop, I'm not trying, I am developing um, a Boston Cage Academy that kind of educates authors, educates podcasters. So the right. switch between these two business models, mm-hmm. there's a lot of no's for the cerebral side. I'm saying no yeah. a lot because I need my time to be focused on the bigger picture and the right. more longevity picture. Yeah. So the transition, obviously, you know, there's fluctuations in income, right? So I have mm-hmm. some people that are, still paying and building and developing and I have a team for that but I'm moving away from that business unit I'm getting more into the education Mm -hmm. side of things so that's just kind of where I'm so every time when I wake up and you I may look at like outstanding invoices and I'm just kind of like well okay those invoices for this this brand where am I at with this brand where am I at with the recurring revenue where am I at with like my authors you know like I've authored seven books I'm getting ready to publish my eighth book and I'm like okay I need to make sure like this launch is situated to where it can streamline and funnel back into the academy and more so on the marketing side than just on the service side awesome okay and last question go for it if you had if you had to have a last meal like last dinner type of thing what would Mm -hmm. it be wow um I'm a foodie and I actually created a foodie group as well too. So it's kind of like this, obviously you always have like your stereotypical ribs, but I'm like escargot, octopus. It's just kind of like, it's a, it's a toss up between. So I'll probably lean more towards like the unusual, something like, mm-hmm. like a, a steamed octopus with like a marinara mm. sauce would be, would be awesome. And I'm talking about an entire octopus using the ink to make the sauce and all that. Ooh, ooh, Yes. <laughs> love it you, you need to tell me some good places to go out your way because i like that kind of stuff cool cool yeah i'll add you to that that group as well too it's it's, cool. it's just multiple different groups and for every part of my personality i have a group for it so that's amazing that's so amazing yeah well i definitely appreciate you taking time out, out your your friday essentially like it's your 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 zen day right a zen day yeah. yeah well thank you for having me i really it's such an honor and i'm so grateful that you would you know, consider me to be a part of your podcast and I'm going to support you any way I can. And um, I would love to link some of your stuff on my uh, website as well. So people can find out who you are. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I definitely appreciate that. And I mean, like in the first five seconds of meeting, I already knew you was a badass. So it just made perfect. So I was like, I got to have you on my show to deliver that value. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. I think you're wonderful. I love what you're doing. You know, you went from a life-changing experience from your health to now like living fully and i'm really proud of you no i definitely appreciate that mandy essay grant over and out that was definitely a cool episode i definitely thanks for tuning in to another episode of boss on cage i hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an uncaged trailblazer Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss in Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. 
Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.